because almost every business that, that I have looked at has had some impact. And quite frankly, some have experienced a positive impact. So, uh, you know, it's not just to the negative. You'll see, you know, some concerns buyers may have, you know, ha has a company benefited indirectly um, from COVID. Welcome to the MBBI Trends in M&A podcast. I'm Greg Wolfen with Whipley Corporate Finance Advisors, your host for today's broadcast. Today's guest is Tom Thomas, partner with the CPA and consulting firm of FGMK. Tom is also the current MBBI treasurer, a current MBBI board member, and also an MBBI platinum sponsor. With Tom, we have Joe Ashby, who currently leads the FGMK Transaction Advisory Team. Welcome, Tom and Joe. Thank you for jo joining us today. Please introduce yourself and your firm. Thanks, Greg. Um, first off, I want to say thank you to MBBI for including us as part of this podcast series um, so we can share our views on what we're seeing in the market right now. Um, my name is Tom Thomas. been a partner with FGMK for, for 15 years. Um, my practice is uh, part of the transaction advisory services as well as the audit uh, and a test uh, assurance practice. Um, FGMK is a full-service CPA firm, uh, primarily located in Chicago, um, one of the larger CPA firms in Illinois, but our practice covers nationwide. We have clients that cover the entire country. Terrific. Joe, uh, anything about yourself you want to share? Uh, sure. I uh, started my career at Deloitte & Touche in the audit practice. Uh, from there, I moved on to Rand McNally. I was a corporate controller over there. Uh, joined Crow in probably 1998 or so and spent the past 20 years uh, working mainly on M&A advisory services and just recently came over to FGMK uh, in March of this year. So I'm excited to be part of the group and uh, help grow their uh, transaction services practice. Terrific. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Tom, what initially piqued your interest in accountancy, specifically a niche focus on M&A? So it was interesting. Uh, what initially drew me to, to accounting was uh, the problem-solving aspect of it. You know, as part of, your, we're trying to help our clients go through and um, navigate a complex set of rules, whether it's tax, gap, or um, complexities that, that accompany a, a transaction. Uh, and so that, that was what initially brought me to public accounting. But once I got into public accounting, what I, what I didn't see from the outside, but I discovered once I got into it, was that it was really the, the ability to help people and, and the people aspect of, of, the, uh, of the profession that really uh, motivates me. And is that, you know, you've got this ability to help your clients through all types of situations. And uh, when I first started my in public accounting, I worked for a boutique uh, CPA firm that, that focused on transaction advisory services. And as part of the, the, the initial transact, the first transaction I worked on, we helped uh, an individual buy his first company and 
when you're in the trenches uh, with with their clients trying to make uh, trying to get through a transaction and, and trying to create some value uh, you know one you create these relationships that last for a long time and that particular client 25 years later is still my client and and it has been such a thrill to be part of his success for such a long period of time and and, and really that's that people aspect, that relationship aspect, is is the part that's motivated my career, as in public accounting. Terrific, and you know, Tom and I have worked together for many many years through uh, MBBI and uh, other organizations, and we kind of grew up into this industry, and we've worked across the aisle successfully yes. with yes. Uh, some of the same companies multiple times. Right. Uh, uh, yes. You doing the diligence, etc. Uh, but this question is for both of you, because uh, you guys do work on a lot of transactions. Uh, from an overall market perspective, uh, what are you seeing in terms of transaction volumes today, pricing and valuation, transaction structures, any other observations can you share with our, our listeners? Uh, sure. I mean, the market is hot uh, right now. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of incentive for buyers uh, and sellers. Um, uh, from the seller perspective, there's a lot of concern around capital gains. So uh, changes in the, in the tax laws that are possibly coming are incentivizing people who maybe were on the fence in the past uh, to consider selling at this point. Um, from a buyer's perspective, you got a, a lot of uh, dry powder in private equity. And so uh, there's a lot of money um, that's looking to be put to work. Uh, the cost of capital is low. So interest rates are very low at the moment, and, uh, and cash is easy to get. Um, so there's a lot of money out there chasing a lot of transactions. So I think on both sides of the aisle, you're seeing a lot of activity right now. Yes, I, I tend to agree. We're seeing an increase the volume. I think a lot of that is tax-driven, interest rate-driven. As you mentioned, uh, the lenders are uh, um, willing to uh, lend uh, profitably for good transactions. Uh, Joe and Tom, are you guys seeing any uh, activity in the distress sector right now? Has that reemerged, or what are your thoughts? Not much, at least not in the industries that I'm dealing with. I, I think we will see some of that in retail coming up, um, especially with some of the brick-and-mortar companies. There's definitely a, a big migration to online retail right now. So you see um, many of these brick-and-mortar companies you know, over the last several years have folded um, there's a question, uh, you know, with mall operators, for instance, you know, is that still going to be a vibrant business or will uh, millennials uh, start, you know, purchasing mostly online? Uh, so that's a big question in everyone's mind. Um, there's a lot of distress in the travel industry right now, as, as we all know. Uh, travel is down at historic lows. Um, you know, it's starting to come back. Uh, we don't know how soon it will come back to 100% or if it will ever get back to 100%. Even in, in my business, I used to travel 50 to 60% of the time for work. I haven't been on a plane for a project uh, since February of last year. That's an so, interesting topic. <laughs> just, just to put it in perspective for you, um, you know, yes. business travel has substantially dropped. And you know, from your firm perspective, uh, Joe, you work out of the Chicago office. That's correct. Tom, you're working out of the uh, Lincolnshire Bannockburn. Uh, Bannockburn office. Um, are you taking the train into the office, Joe? 
Uh, I'm taking the L, so I live in Lincoln Park. And so you're uh, using public transportation, I so am. that is a positive. Uh, I'm vaccinated, and yeah, I'm okay taking the train. Terrific. Uh, I know a large part of your transaction advisory services practice is performing quality of earnings engagements, both buy side and sell side. Um, what can you tell us about those engagements, the mix that you're currently seeing with your client base? Currently, it's very heavily focused on the sell side. I would say when I first started in M&A, most of my work was, was buy side. I probably did about 85 to 90% on the buy side, working for a lot of private equity groups and specialty lenders. Um, over the last five years, I've seen a tremendous shift to the sell side. Um, so, um, it, you know, it just could be the mix that I'm experiencing. But uh, the last three deals that I've worked on have all been sell-side transactions, and I've got two more in the pipeline right now. Terrific. I know everybody's busy. I think the, the greatest resource uh, uh, lacking right now are people. Um, um, from the sell-side perspective, Joe, uh, what size clients are you seeing where uh, we're really recommending a sell-side engagement should be appropriate before going to market? Uh, um, especially in the small middle market? Is there a threshold that you look at or is it just more a complexity of the company? It's There's not really a threshold. I would say, you know, where companies need the most help are, are those that have not been audited. Um, so it's very difficult to go to market when you do not have a financial statement audit performed. So that's where a QV would be extremely important. But even with audited companies, I mean, the, the focus, you know, lately has been on COVID and what that's done to the numbers, um, you know, where the projections are headed as we recover from COVID. So there's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done uh, from a QV perspective on normalizing the numbers and coming up with pro forma adjustments that are reasonable um, and reflect, you know, what the business hopefully will look like as we emerge uh, from this pandemic. And that's a very good point. Uh, when you're looking at the numbers from a transaction perspective, uh, and we'll, we'll get into the challenges of performing due diligence uh, in a largely remote environment. But given that we're still in an uncertain economy, uh, are you doing more analysis between 2019 and 2021 and really discounting 2020? Or you know, what, what does your reviews look like in that perspective? Yeah, there's definitely a focus on normalizing the periods from, you know, generally speaking, March of 2020 through March of 2021 because almost every business that, that I have looked at has had some impact. And quite frankly, some have experienced a positive impact. So, uh, you know, it's not just to the negative. You'll see, you know, some concerns buyers may have, you know, ha has a company benefited indirectly um, from COVID, you know, because they're providing a service or something that, that fits the need in, in this unique time. Yeah. <clears throat> the, uh... Yeah, the, the pandemic and the lockdown was really interesting the way it, it affected companies. You know, there was many that, uh, as Joe said, benefited from it, from it as well as ones that uh, were negatively affected by it. So it was really, seems like it's a tale of two, two cities as far as what, what happened with these companies. And so I think what we're seeing is mainly that the COVID positive companies are coming to market versus the, the COVID negative companies that are probably I, I will concur with that. Sitting, still sitting on the sideline. Yeah, there, there definitely are two camps, uh, those that they have performed well through the pandemic and then those that uh, are still uh, trying to figure out what 
what is next for them as we start to emerge out of the pandemic. Uh, as you're performing these uh, reviews, any uh, areas of enhanced review that you guys are looking at and, and what challenges are you facing given that you haven't been able to kind of get on a plane and visit some of the facilities? Uh, um, how are you managing these projects largely remotely? Um, yeah, so as I mentioned, I've not been on a plane for work since February of 2020, and I was a little apprehensive about how my first transactions would go as we tried to work through the challenges with Zoom and Microsoft Teams, both you know systems that we use to, to discuss uh, uh, with, with clients you know remotely. Um, the biggest challenge I, I was concerned about were audit work paper reviews. So historically, we've always gone on site for those um, in addition to management meetings. And auditors are obviously very cautious about giving access to their work papers and would have someone sitting in the room with you monitoring you know, your, your every move, so to speak. Um, but quite frankly, um, it hasn't been an issue. You know, they've, they've bridged the gap with technology um, we've been able to accomplish those reviews remotely, uh, and they've given us access remotely, and uh, all the management meetings that I've conducted have, have gone quite well over teams, and quite frankly, probably saved some time in the process. Yeah, it makes everything a little more efficient. Uh, Joe and Tom, any recent deal breakers that you guys have uncovered uh, that may have kind of put a halt on a transaction that you guys were uh, currently doing a review on for a client? Uh, and any areas where maybe you help the client overcome this deal breaker? Yeah, I would say the biggest challenges right now are inflation related and uh, freight costs, challenges with freight, I should say. Um, so I'm dealing with uh, two companies right now, uh, both who are exporters from China, um, you know, various products coming out of China. And uh, as many people are aware, there's many ports that are being shut down. Uh, the cost of just the container itself has more than tripled. Um, so a container used to cost $4,000. Now I'm hearing the most recent pricing is $16,000 to, to rent a container to put your goods in. Um, so that coupled with getting a lot of product hung up at ports has created serious challenges for a lot of these companies, um, just in terms of getting the goods that they need to sell. Um, so you know the, the message I'm hearing from them is if we had the inventory, we could sell it. Um, so as far as challenges go, a lot of it's around those type of issues, uh, inventory management, uh, inflation, trying to pass those costs on to their customers, right? Yeah, and that a puts longer. a little challenge on the strategic planning and forecasting as you model exactly. out forward post-acquisition. Uh, well, thank you very much, Tom and Joe, for sharing your insight. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Thank you to MBBI, The Enclave and Studio 75 for hosting us today. Our guest next month will be Tom Meyer with SunTrust Bank, along with current MBBI president, Paula Cook, with Huntington Bank. This is Greg LaFin signing off for MBBI. Thank you and enjoy the day. <music>